Welcome to the Malibu Sea Discovery Podcast. I am your host, Edwin Vigija. Today I am with Mr. Tom Porter, founder and CEO of Malibu Sea and MWR Labs, which is a division of Malibu Sea as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, Malibu Sea is a division of Malibu Wellness Incorporated. Okay. And MWI Labs is another division of Malibu Wellness Incorporated. Oh, I didn't Malibu know that. Malibu Sea is okay. our brand. MWI Labs is a complete private label division that makes products for other companies. So most people don't realize that this journey, one day I'll tell you about how we started making every product ourselves and how that expanded into making products for other companies in the world. I can't wait to hear about that. And in the last episode, those of you guys that tuned in and listened to the last episode, and if you haven't, rewind, go back and listen to it. You actually touched on Australian gold. Yeah. And I'll tell you a little bit of history yeah. about how our paths were intertwined. And it all started with a Malibu product and in the same location where we are now as a uh, our campus in Indianapolis, Indiana. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we can dive into that story. Absolutely. I look forward to sharing that. So in the last episode, we talked about you had just met Deb, which is Tom's lovely wife. Uh, She is his business partner. They have been on this incredible journey together. She's an enormous part. I would say besides you and Dr. Keith Earl, she's the third biggest part of that. Yeah. She's part of the triad. So uh, Tom likes to joke that they went him and Dad met, and then Dr. Keith Alt met. They all kind of got married at the same time. Well, because it happened in the same weekend. Yeah. And so that's really where this story fundamentally began. And it's funny because in the last the last episode, you were talking about how you, when you and Deb uh, went out dancing, you guys were dancing, your bodies fit perfectly. And then... You our mean, mind and our body. Everything, I don't right? want to overstate the body. It was really, it was confirmation. And then the spark. The spark came before we knew we fit together. Yeah. That's the neat part. I think a lot of people have the spark, but then when they come together and start spending time together, both physically and just in the environment, it may be a spark, but they didn't really mesh. Yeah. It just kept getting better. As a still 34, you guys have been married for 34 years now, right? No, we've been married now 37 years. 37. Yes. And it's still and it's, better. It is because you made reference in the previous about uh, tragedies. Yeah. And I thought that was a really heavy word when I heard it, that you said that. And yeah. then as I reflect, we have been through what many people would characterize as tragedies. Yeah. And one of them we'll talk about in this sharing while yeah. we're together. But the reality is because we've done it together, and committed to the process together. Yeah. Um, they weren't tragedies. Yeah. And in, in most situations, you'll find that people will, the divorce rate is so incredibly high and the failure of companies is so incredibly high. The fact that you guys have been able to stick together through trials and tribulations, through highs and ups, through every possible, which you guys will find a lot of these out as we're going through this event. It's a testament to you guys' love, to you guys' commitment to each other and to the company. And That's I, right. I, I, think with a, you. I think a lot of that is just being able to commit to, to a person and to a goal. And when you find someone that you can commit to that together, magic happens, obviously. Magic can happen. 37 years later. 37 years later together. and still counting and just growing together. And hopefully we'll get to 50 more. So let's talk about uh, where we left off. So you guys have just met. Uh, you guys went out dancing. 
bodies fit perfectly. Everything was sparks are flying everywhere. You meet Dr. Keith Hall. And then what happens from there? When we met Dr. Rawl, we really liked what he was talking about. And yeah. he was setting up uh, a company that was selling shares to people all over Indiana. It was restricted to residents of Indiana. Okay. And it was also, uh, you could buy in at a very low amount. That's how he approached his business. Okay. We didn't even have a business. We just met. Right. There was a reason why I could not help sell the stock officially, but Deb could. And Deb immediately became a stock agent for his company. Okay. And I had some contacts and actually went out and we together had friends of mine that put in $1,000. I put in $1,000. So Deb was the one selling the stock? Yeah. And we didn't sell a ton of stock, but that's really it happened. And, yeah. that's, and it went on to become, uh, some people in Indiana might remember NEMA, Natural Environmental Marketing Association. And it was products. It was under a multi-level. And this was Keith's company. Okay. That's what he was doing, was starting a company in Indiana. That's funny. And he had names, uh, Vitaclor. It had uh, products for numerous things that relate to what we're doing today, using ascorbic acid as the main ingredient for new ways to solve problems. And his first platform that he tried the company on was multi-level. It was. That's so interesting. If you guys have heard the first episode, we actually discussed how you are totally against multi-level marketing. And we did not sell any multi-level of his products. We will, let me get to, through the process yeah, yeah, and yeah. remind me when we get to California and I'll explain, okay. we never sold products for him. We had a couple of friends that, cause we used it. So we bought it for our own personal use. And love that. Loved it. You were like, what is this? But I am not a multi-level guy. I am mm. not going to have my friends and my relatives as who I'm going to be dependent on for my income. Those are the last people I want right. to be dependent that on for my income. not a business. Well, for some people it may work. But, but that's to, not to the way. To scale it globally? To scale it globally. That's yeah. not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously you took it from the direction with your bigger vision, which is what you've built today. Yeah. So you met him, you start working, Dev starts actually selling so stock. So we sold some stock. Then we really weren't very in touch for, uh, you know, the story now is more focused on Deb and myself. Right. So Deb and I became closer and closer, spending every day that we could spend together. She was the assistant director of the Career Center at Indiana University. Okay. I had just had the opportunity to work with the community of Bloomington to lead the development of what became the largest independent y, YMCA wellness center in the world with cardiac rehab, pulmonary rehab. It was very progressive. It was built out of an initial vision by a man named Bill Cook, who is someone that became and, you know, his model is still I mentor from. Yeah. Uh, he's the one that told me. One of the six heroes. And told me, get yeah. into manufacturing. Yeah. And last time, remember, you actually said, we're not really sure if he meant I come work for me. Know. I still or don't go know. do it. I said, well, you heard, 
That's right. Go do it on your own. That's right. And obviously, and if you wouldn't have heard that, if you weren't wired the way you are, we wouldn't even be sitting here right now. Well, and you guys wouldn't be watching this. <laughs> so what we, I remember sitting, uh, I owned a little house in Bloomington out close to the lake because okay. being a water skier, had a boat. We, I was right next to the ramp. So literally, <laughs> I was just around the curve and I had the boat in the water. Right. Um, and Deb's in my courtship was on the boat. She learned to slalom ski on that boat. And by you? You taught her? Oh, yeah. Well, she learned, maybe by watching. I'm not going to tell you that I, you know, but definitely it wouldn't have happened, I don't think, if I wasn't taking her out there. And she watched and she picked it up and became a very good water skier. And to this day. Because you guys still do that. We this, still do that to, to this, this point. Day. And one of the great, one of our first conversations, you were talking about how now you actually do it later in the day to minimize your oxidation. That's right. Because of the do. sun and the water and That's all right. that. So. But at that age, when I was in my 20s, you didn't care. I did not care. You're like, whatever. Because my skin was so brown. Yeah. When I met Deb, we both loved to tan. We, we liked to oxidize. Yeah. And I think that's something that we all need to realize right. is just because we like to do something doesn't necessarily mean it's a really good idea. Because cause and effect. It's cause and effect. Cause and effect. If you are oxidizing endlessly, at some point you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to be like, oh my God, I am 20 years older than what I should look like because of it's being oxidation. in the sun you all know, the time. You yeah. know, the, uh, the book that I eventually wrote, you're yeah. not aging, you're, you're just, just oxidizing. oxidizing. So oh, we'll get right. to that. Yeah. But I didn't know anything about that at this time. Mm. So I remember sitting, uh, it was in August of the following, we, I met in June. In August, we were sitting in my front yard in the lounge chairs. 1984, right? This is 1981. 1981, okay. And I looked over at her. I was sitting back and I looked at her and I remember the conscious thought of, I can't imagine living my life without her in it. So I knew at that moment I wanted to ask her to marry me. That's a huge aha moment right there. It was a big aha moment. The fact that I still remember it <laughs> yeah. shows how big a deal it yeah, was to yeah. me. Um, I was going to the Adirondacks for a conference of YMCA executive directors for the whole nation. And I decided, and that was what, a month and a half later. Whoa, how Seven, old were you? Eight weeks later, I was 20, oh, what would I be, 25, 6, 27, somewhere okay. around there. 26, yeah. 27, 28. I'd have to do the math. Let's oh. say 28-ish, 27. Gotcha. Um, but I went to the conference and then I made arrangements to fly her, of course, I was making $30,000, $32,000, and I had this house, you know, and I flew her. So, you know, I'm making a lot of money doing this. This was when you do a startup, a nonprofit or a profit, um, you, you never really make as much money as your value. Right. And I think many people think they should make what they put in. What they, well, no, yeah, what their value is. Yeah. I've never had that in my life. Never one position. I've always had to prove myself before I was able to get compensated for it. Yeah. And it's taken sometimes many, many years. But it all worked out because eventually I was compensated for my value. Yeah. So um, I arranged to have Deb fly to New York City 
when I was finished with my conference, I flew to New York City. We met in New York City, and I knew I was going to ask her to marry me that weekend. You proposed in New York City. Let me tell you the story. Ooh. So I had tickets to Chorus Line. Okay. It was just a new release of Chorus Line. We went to Chorus Line, and it, we both just really enjoyed it. It filled our soul. We both, you know, it was just, it was really an up experience. New York. I knew afterwards I had it all planned that we were going to the Plaza Hotel okay, and go to the dessert bar, which no longer exists in the plaza. And there have, they have carriages outside where oh, the plaza was, right. and, the, and it's just right at Central Park. And I was going to ask her to marry me there. Right at Central Park. Right at the That's some the movie circle. stuff right there. Oh, it gets better. Oh. It gets better. We finish our dessert bar. We're having a great time. I know that I'm about to ask her to marry me, and it was early October. We open the door, and this huge gust of cold wind comes in, and she goes, oh, my gosh, it's freezing. And I realized we can't go stand out there and me ask her to marry her when she's cold. This isn't it. This yeah. isn't how I want to remember like, it. Wow. So that was Saturday. No, Friday night. Okay. All day Saturday, we did things together with friends, and there wasn't a moment. It didn't come. And by Sunday, I knew we were leaving in the afternoon and flying back to Indiana. And you wanted to do it in New York. It had to be, I had to get it done. So we went walking. It just so happened we ended up at Central Park. And we were going all around the park and seeing things, and we came to what's called the sail pond. Now, I didn't know Central Park. I'm not someone that does, I, I've been to New York many, many times, but I haven't lived in New York. So right. this was kind of a new experience for me. Came upon the sail pond, which was really kind of cool. All of these little sail boats that people make. The little ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put on, yeah. and it's just in a I've little circle. Yeah. Well, at the end of it is an Alice in Wonderland statue, which is kind of spread and children play all over it. Okay. Well, the next day, or that day, the cold front had sort of moved out, and now it was 71 degrees. Perfect weather. Perfect weather, sunny. It's almost California weather right It there. was beautiful. And we were just happened to be standing in front of the Alice in Wonderland statue, and she made a statement about her and myself. And so I used that opportunity to say, well, because I was behind her, I was just holding on, and we were looking around. I said into her ear, I said, well, does that mean you'll marry me? And the way I tell the story is she coughed, and I took it as a yes. <laughs> so we don't know to this we day. Don't <laughs> we know. don't know. And I tell that story in front of her, and she still hasn't confirmed so it. So she's like, yeah, we've been married for 37 years now, and we, I'm not really sure if I you said yes. I didn't say yes, yes but no. <laughs> That's it hilarious. was. It was uh, Did you pop a ring out at that point? Or you didn't even have a ring? I didn't know I was supposed to have a ring. Oh, my gosh. This was so organic. It just happened. I'm not a guy that necessarily follows protocol all the time. Obviously. I'm sort of, I operate out of my nature, I think, That's, because there was no thought of a ring. It wasn't like I, I didn't even think about having a ring. I didn't think that I needed a ring. That's so crazy. So in your graduation, you stand back and you just observe. <laughs> yes. Think about that. Yes. You stand back and you're observing. That's true. You propose to the love of your life without, without a, a ring. ring. 
spur of the moment. I have a feeling City. you're going to find some more of these examples oh as we keep talking. Man. So, so we, um, the funniest part of that story is three hours later, we're at the airport. We're on the plane. And I love the way she tells this story that I'm on the aisle. She's in the next seat. And then someone comes. I think it was a woman that sat down. And Deb and I didn't say anything. It wasn't, you know, it was just that you're getting on the plane, you're getting situated. And she was sitting there and just all of a sudden realized we haven't talked at all. And the plane takes off and she's looking at a magazine and says, oh, my gosh, I love this China. This is the China I want. And we laughed when we got off the plane and thought, I wonder if that person thought we just met and we're already picking out China. <laughs> they're like, it felt like they're that. weird. It felt like Whoa. that. Yeah, it was a weird experience. But um, we were married in March. So from engagement? From well, engagement to the wedding. Uh, it really, was a couple months. It was, uh, well, it was more than, well, it was a couple of months from when we met yeah. and I asked her to marry me. Yeah. That was October. October about October seventh, around that time, and we decided to get married in March. We would have gotten married in June when the weather was much better. But her brother was working on oil rigs, okay, and we had to set it around his availability. So, so we moved it up to March, which okay. was kind of cold. It's not the really the yeah. way we want to remember it, but we realized we were married more for our family. The way we did our wedding was more, that was more protocol. More for them to remember it. Yeah. Than how you want to remember it. Yes. That's exactly right. To the yeah. point that where we were married, the pastor would not even allow us videotape it. And of course we wanted to remember it, but that's kind of how disconnected we, we loved the experience. Yeah. It was amazing. But it wasn't, you know, looking back, yeah. our engagement was more personal. Our actual ceremony was confirming our love with our family and friends. Yeah. So, you know, so we got married in March and it was around that time, you know, to do a, a track back, you know, I told you I came uh, from California where I did my master's at the University of California at Santa yes. Barbara and went to Indiana. But my intent was to go to Indiana to go back to California. I never intended to stay in Indiana. Because that's what you, the goal from. It was my goal. Those of you who've heard everything. Years. It's been Tom's goal since he was a child, literally, to yeah. end up in California, which is where he lives now and will live the rest of his and life. And maybe that's a very shallow goal. But I, I am, don't think so. But I am a firm believer. And I, I share this with people often. Um, be where you want to be. Yeah. Because to me, I'll throw out a. That's at least 50% of happiness. Mm -hmm. um, when I fly, and I fly a lot of places, I go to a lot of communities, and what I've learned is if, if I get to an airport and I don't feel good energy, what I realize is most of those people aren't happy being there. I want to be there. It's sort of their culture, and they don't really want to be there. They feel like yeah. they have to be there. One thing about California as a whole, one of the things I like, people choose to be there. They want to be there. They want to be there. You, I feel like New York City is very similar to that. I too. agree that you don't usually just grow up in New York City and yeah. stay because you have to. New York City would be just like California. If you want to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. Be, and you know what? That's so funny because that's actually... California and New York have one of the best cultures and friendliest people in the world. So maybe that's because Statistically, they want to be there. That's a good observation. Yeah. And 
if I've learned anything from you, and this is huge for everyone that's watching this to take this, one of the big things that you do differently is that you do things as you want to remember them. Right. Not, you don't, it's almost like taking a grab of your life and saying, this is my life. I'm going to live it the way that I want. To remember it. To not, remember it. It's not how I want to do it. Yeah. See, there's a big distinction. It's not me saying, here's what I want to do. Yeah. I try, and I've had to learn this. And let me tell you, I don't succeed all the time. Sometimes temptation, mm. That this is a really good way to handle temptation. If you are tempted to do something a certain way and you question whether is it right, wrong, I would suggest try another approach. Go forward and think, well, how do I want to remember it? How am I going to remember this? And then it becomes clear. Or <laughs> it's, it's like you've constantly lived in the future and the present. Does that make sense? Because you're it's thinking. It's a future perspective yeah. on creating the past. And we call that the present. Yes. I'm going to high five on that. <laughs> Did you, listen, this is, listen to that. That's amazing. Oh my God. Too much. So. Okay. So we got married. Yeah. Um, I loved as the opportunity with the YMCA, the success of the YMCA made national news, it, especially in the network. Sorry, you some recognition at that point. It became, yeah. it, because the community of Bloomington, Indiana told me as the guy who had to lead this, I was told over and over and over, Bloomington does not need a Y because there's the hyper building, which is at the university, which was open to the community. We have a facility for the community. We don't need a Y. So I had a very difficult time raising money. People don't know what they need until you've built that. But Bill Cook had the vision. It was his vision that he could see the need and wanted to provide that to the community. So he put up almost all the money. Any other money that came in was more of a gesture of support because Bill was doing it. Yeah. But that's actually something I try to share, share with communities that want to build WISE and build other nonprofit organizations. Don't try to do it by everybody chipping in. Find one leader that's passionate about the vision Biggest. And be sure they're going to be sure that it happens yeah. and the others will get their support. And that's what I had the opportunity to do. And it was a big success. What we hoped, I hoped that we would generate at least 3,000 members. What was the goal? That was the goal. So what did you guys end up with? Between 8 and 10 Ooh, in a year. That's a big difference. We had... In a place where we, you guys thought failure was almost sure. We were told we would fail. Oof. And we opened the doors for an open house in January. And this is, I mentioned in the last, where hordes of people came in that we weren't expecting. Deb was in that crowd. Mm. and But she didn't see me. Didn't see I didn't see her because there were hordes of people. Yeah. Um, so I started looking for opportunities in California because one thing that, uh, as we share, uh, I'm a better developer than I am a maintainer. And I know that about myself. What do you mean by that? Explain that for, to me a little bit. Uh, from any perspective, I am better at developing things. I like to make things. You're builder. I like, I like, I like to build. I like, uh, I like a hammer in my hand. I, I like, see. so I like to create. I mm -hmm. like to see things. Now I'm not an artist, 
So I can't create that way. My eye can't, I can't look at something and draw it. I'm more uh, organizational or, um, you know, structural. And I do everything I can to create an environment uh, and an organization that understands the process of change so that it can be maintained and get a, an organization to the point. And that's the reason I enjoy teaching my master's thesis, yeah. which is the role of the change agent yep. in an organization. Which and, we're gonna dive into in depth oh, at, good. in one of the episodes. Good. I feel I really feel more confident today than I ever did. That literally, and I can't wait for us to cover that topic, that literally changed my whole perspective and I restructured my business plan. I restructure my approach to how I do things based on your presentation on that. Oh, wow. And you probably saved me a whole lot of failure, headaches just from watching that presentation. So think about that. So I can't, well, I, that's have a, cool. I have a whole, pre, uh, just wait, I have a whole thing on that that we're going to talk Very about cool. with that. So you have met that. And so I was looking at the vacancy list. Yeah. Because uh, we were getting married and I found two or three openings of where I wanted to be. Okay. I would have liked to have taken over the Santa Barbara job because I left Santa Barbara. I love Santa Barbara. I would love to go back to Santa Barbara. That job wasn't open. Hmm. However, the Pacific Palisades Malibu YMCA was looking for someone to do what I just did in Bloomington. Okay. When I went out and interviewed, another job opportunity came up at San Luis Obispo. Even though the LA Association, because they were part of an association of YMCA's, whereas Bloomington was independent. I didn't have any network, I just did it. Nobody telling me what I could do, should do, how to do it, I was free reigns. In LA, it's part of an association, so it's all been just like other cities, usually it's a part of a network. So I was in a good situation yeah. in Bloomington, yeah. but they wanted to take a, a organization that was not very um, developed. It was a YMCA in the town working out of schools and churches and they have a small building and they had land that they could that they were leasing and they wanted to try to build a Y. Okay. So I went to went with that mission the whole time um, and to back up, I was looking for the vacancy list and sure enough when Deb and I got married in March and it was chilly, and it was a phenomenal wedding. Yeah. It was the reception was awesome. And Bill Cook gave us our honeymoon. He actually paid for our trip to, to Monte Carlo and put us up at the Lowe's Hotel. What an awesome guy. Oh my what gosh. an awesome guy. I got chilled just you I saying love it. to talk to have to a him. friend. Oh my gosh. That, and what I realized later is he well, that was his way of saying, thanks, man. Uh and I really appreciated that gesture of yeah. you know, recognition without overstating it. But that's who Bill was. And, and so, so now I'm married. Yeah. I'm looking for this position. I go out and interview. I go up and interview for San Luis Obispo. And when I got back to Bloomington, I got offered the San Luis Obispo job mm. before I got offered the Pacific Palisades Malibu job. Okay. So it's like, okay, at least I at least I can go to San Luis Obispo. And get back to California, but that's kind of where you go to retire. It's and a great like, community, but I'm you're you know, like I'm too young for this. And in my mind, I Deb and I said, if we ever did start a company on what Dr. Keith had done, LA would be a better place to be. It's it's a I mean everyone's oxidating there intensely. Well, it's not that. 
And why? It wasn't that. Do you think it's just a better market? It's better. It's not the market. It's a better place to be hubbed for business and startup. Los Angeles. It's busy. It just, just, no, it's perception. Mm. It's the right place to be connected to. There's a lot going on. If you need resources in LA, everything's there. Everything's there. You can find somebody that can do it. There's a guy. That's right. San Luis Obispo, it's kind of a sleepy community. Mm. Nice community. So, I interviewed in the summer and announced to the community of Bloomington that you were leaving. That I was leaving. How did they take that? Because um, you were I now the say, face of that. You were the face of, of the YMCA. I would say that what they did is they probably took it as I was 27 years old. And you were ready to live life. And I was, and I, I, I had the most wonderful experiences with those people. They're still my, and Bloomington is still my favorite community in the world. Yeah. More uh, than California. Oh yeah. Really? More than, yeah. Uh, Just the people? Firenze, Florence, Italy is a favorite. Okay. But Bloomington, Indiana is right up there for me and for Deb. We love the community, but when you have a goal, you have to make it. If that's what's important to you. Yeah. So fortunately, in August, uh, the community, you know, it did get announced, you know, in pretty big. And what was interesting is someone in Bloomington who saw it contacted me. I think they may have been members of the Y, actually, yeah. and said, we have a home in Malibu and we're having problems with the tenants. Mm. How much can you afford? And I told them how much I could afford. I was going to make about $43,000. And I said I couldn't afford more than $1,100 a month. Well, they were getting about probably $3,000 a month from this because the area. The, the area. And what was happening is this girl was renting and subleasing every bedroom to these bodybuilders. And they had a steroid business going out of there. Whoa. Yeah. And so... <laughs> She was she was actually, it turns out, charging them quite a bit of money to live there, but she wasn't paying the landlord. And they didn't know that. So as a result, the landlord finally had to evict. It's very difficult to evict in California. She was able to evict them. And we'll get to that after I tell you about our trip out there. Because in August, we left. We did rent that house. It you was we knew done. we had a place to live. What did Deb go to do? Deb went to be with me. Whoa. And she, she dropped everything. She left she the university. She was the assistant director at that point? And she left her university. That's love. Well, it's, she, listen, the night we met. It was done. When, no, it wasn't just that. When I said, I'm planning to go to Cal, to go back to California, the next thing she said was, I'm on my way to California. That's so weird. That was her goal. She just, she came from New York, Ithaca, New York. And Indiana was the closest she got a job offer to California, and she felt like physically she was what working the, her way out there. What are the odds of that? And one of the first yeah. conversations that you and I had, you were giving me bits and pieces of the story, and I literally kept saying because what in my mind I was trying to quantify like how what were the out what were the events that led to all this? Like how do you replicate that? How do you replicate all of this success? And now you know you can't. And you cannot. No. <laughs> and, but you can replicate some of the habits that he's done. You can replicate some of the things that he's been able to do. Uh, but I kept saying, look, look, you, 
maybe you got lucky. Maybe How do this you define luck? luck? And that's exactly what you said to me. How do you define luck? And remember, I told you, I said, well, and I thought about it. I'm like, luck. I said, maybe when you're uh, ready for it. And you said, no. And you, I didn't say no. I said, let me give you another perspective. Yes. Because that's your perspective. If that's what luck is, then that's what luck is. I just shared with you my perspective. And then go ahead and share with our audience a perspective. Well, it changed my life. And it is not my words. I read these words and it clicked. It made sense. It's when preparation meets opportunity. That Listen to that. When, and it was that simple. When preparation. So even though the point I'm trying to make with this you guys have up to this point, and there's going to be a lot more events as will sound like luck. If Tom wouldn't have been prepared that night for Dev when they met, if he wouldn't have been prepared with everything that he's done up until this point, nothing else would have been able to move forward. I would have missed the opportunity. Yeah, he would have absolutely <laughs> would have missed would have. the opportunity. And, and it, the road would have just not led to this today. Yeah, so that's for sure. Wherever you are in your journey and in your path, it is necessary as part, learn the process of where you are and just understand that eventually you work hard, you're gonna have an end goal too, but be prepared, prepare for it every single day. So that's the point I was trying to make with okay, that. Okay, I like the so, point, good so, point you make. Thank you, so back to you. So now we were, at this point, on your way there, you're about to. So now we live, we're leaving Bloomington. We bought a used Volvo, mm. silver classic, used Volvo. And uh, it was just uh, a nice car. We felt really good in it. And it was a good car to travel in. So we went down and I introduced a place that was very important in my life and still is to our family was a cottage on Perdido Bay down on the Gulf of Mexico that is where we water ski, but that's where I grew up in the summers. It was, it's a, it's just a as a child. As a child. My family would from travel would from go. Tennessee every year before interstates. Okay. Uh, we would pack up into station wagons, cars, three times a summer, two times a summer and go down. It was owned by my uh, aunt and uncle and they shared it. So it was a great experience. It's where I learned to leave my hometown and le realize there's a world out there. It's also where I've discovered the water and how much I love the water. Mm. So I wanted to, we were married now and I, Deb had heard all about the cottage. So we went to the cottage and that was the first time she had seen that. It's just an old, now 120 something year old cottage. Can't even get there by road. You, you have to get there by an oyster shell clay road. Ooh, that would be awesome to it's, film. Yeah, it's, oh. That would be awesome to film. It is an awesome yeah. sight. Spanish moss hanging all around, but it's just an old, old hunting lodge. Mm. So, uh, which someday we'll, maybe you'll hear about in other stories, yeah. but it, now we own it. Oh my God. It's part of our life. So, so you were able our, to buy it. We were able to buy it when we didn't have any money, but my aunt wanted to sell it. I couldn't afford to see it go out of the family. So sometime maybe we'll tell that story because that happened in a quick blink. That's a beautiful story. The fact that you were able to keep something from your childhood and then you still have it today. Are you going to pass it on to Trevor? Oh yeah. And oh. what's really cool about it, and we get into it you know, yeah. another time, with other tragedies when you lose everything, which we have done. Yeah. Um, we realized we still had the cottage. And so our soul was still alive. Our soul was still- That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So we went to the cottage. Okay, let's, when we left the cottage, yeah. we were headed across Highway 10 that actually ends 
right at Pacific Palisades, Malibu, right in Santa Monica. Highway 10 goes from Jacksonville, Florida, all the way across to Santa Monica. So that's the direct route. We're going, we took a diversion and went to Houston to see Deb's brother. Okay. And spent a night there as we're driving across country to take over the new YMCA. Everything we owned was on a moving truck that was going to meet us at our new location. Newlyweds. Newlyweds. We left Bloomington high as a kite. Really? We were on the moon. <laughs> we were so excited. That's amazing. Everything in Bloomington was perfect. We were leaving perfect. We were going to what appeared to be perfect. So we were in a great place. As we were driving, I did most of the driving. And I know you want me to share this because it is You notice how story. I just got. I know. I'm and in the edge of my seat. I know. And uh, it's not something I talk about often, but you mentioned tragedies. This was probably the first uh, in this journey. How long were you guys been together at this point? Two months? Three months? Married. We married yeah, yeah. in March 27th, and it's now about August 18th. A couple months together. Three months? Yeah. Okay. We stopped for lunch um, as we were driving from Houston. We had left there, and Deb said, you know what? Why don't I drive? And it was like, cool. Great time take for you break. to drive. I'll take a break because we drive into the night going across country. You know, I like to get as many miles as I can. I'm not one that just wants to stop at hotels. Not a quitter. Why sit? Well, it's right. just why sit at a hotel when yeah. I can be sitting in Drive. my car driving right. headed to my future. Right. I was excited. So in Texas, uh, we were in uh, we were out in the middle of nowhere. And we stopped at just a cafe, ate lunch, and in Texas, next to the freeway, the on-ramps, in most towns, the on-ramp is like, you're on. In cities especially, you're on the on-ramp. In parts of Texas, the on-ramp is just parallel almost to the freeway, and it's a long on-ramp. So from the time that we started driving down the on-ramp, Deb had gotten up to about 65 miles an hour, 70 probably going across country. She's not a fast driver. Uh, you know, she doesn't, she's very uh, reasonable. It's probably at 70. And she already had put it on cruise control. This was the first time she had ever used cruise control because we didn't have cruise control. There was, this was a new feature. That was 1982, you said? Right, yes. Yeah, 82. We're in 82. And so she put it on cruise control and we're going down... And I was in my passenger seat. This was, seatbelts were not a standard. People mm. weren't wearing seatbelts in That's these right. years. Uh, maybe a few were, but <laughs> I wasn't. Um, not too cool for seatbelts. <laughs> no, not too cool, but. Back then. It was, I never had an accident and didn't need seatbelts. I was a kid when we went to Florida. We were in the back plane, jumping over the sea. There Having was no time. order and there, yeah. there was no wreck. You know, so that wasn't part of my life. Right. Uh, my parents never, you know, we didn't have seatbelts, so that wasn't an issue. And as you get into your 20s, if you never had something, you've got to retrain yourself. So I wasn't wearing seatbelts, and neither was Deb. So uh, I had cranked back the seat, opened the sunroof. My shirt was off. I had on shorts. I was grabbing some rays. 
You were I was oxidizing. Oxidizing in the car, having a good I, time. I am high cool, on life. Having a great time. Woman of your dreams next to you. And she's driving. And we're on that on-ramp. And all of a sudden, she leans over in front of me. And that's, instead of asking me to come up and get it, which, you know, I would have been happy to do. Deb takes initiative. She didn't, she doesn't depend on, you know, somebody else. It's just who she is. Yeah. She reached over to reach in the glove box and pull out a James Taylor cassette, the little cassettes yeah. that we used in those yeah, days. I remember those. And she was going to plug it in. Well, as she moved over, her arm pulled the wheel slightly. No big deal, usually, except in Texas, when they, because they constantly have to pave over the pavement because of the heat. It gets so hot, it's in 100 degrees. And it was 100 degrees excess that day, August, in the middle of the desert of Texas. Well, the shoulder was probably, it turns out, about that far. So when she pulled over, the wheel, the front right wheel, went off the pavement. And the car is now pretty significant difference. And we're on gravel, and she's on cruise control. So she and she was leaning over, so she wasn't even, she wouldn't have known that the brake would have stopped cruise control anyway, but she was not at the brake because she had leaned over and it kicked her out of, you know, her position. I looked up and we're headed for one of those reflector lights, the, those oh metal with reflector. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh my God. And she did a reaction to keep us from hitting it and pulled the wheel, which is a natural response. But we were still on cruise control. So it kept going. It kept going. The back of the car at 65, 70 miles an hour skidded into that reflector light, and we headed across the interstate into a guardrail at 65, 70 miles an hour that we should have just continued because the other freeway going the other direction was way over there and there was a long, just a gully, not a, I mean, a, it's a ravine, a long one. Our car should have just soared and we would have dove right into the hillside. Fortunately, that Volvo is who I give credit to. It had so much metal. Have you ever heard the uh, principle that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction? Yeah, absolutely. Because the galvanized steel was galvanized steel and the metal was sturdy gauge metal, the guardrail opened all the way. But the car did a flip over on its side, on the passenger side, which is the windshield right here. Okay. And then went up on all fours, facing the opposite direction. And you had the sunroof open. Sunroof was open. Oh my God. Well, what I, we, we stopped, the world stopped. Neither one of us remember it. We both, we learned something about the um, human body if you are headed into death and you have a moment to see it, I shut down and she shut down. I guess we go to a place of denial or 
if you can do nothing about it and it's inevitable, but we don't remember it. We don't remember. We know we, know we remember when the car went, but no impact. We didn't. Neither one of us remembered feeling the impact. Well, it turned out I felt I had a lot of impact. Didn't know it. Hmm. Um, I woke up first. Cards spewing, all the sounds of a wreck, everything you've heard on a movie was happening in my life. Oh, my God. Facing the other direction. Our belongings were all over the road. The trunk was completely open and everything that we had brought with us that we didn't want to put into the moving van. So I wouldn't get messed up. special, like wedding pictures that we don't have anymore. <laughs> Gone. Uh, wow. We, so I woke up first. Deb is actually. And you're without a shirt. You're in oh, shorts. I'm, you're probably and blood Deb, everywhere. And Deb has this little tank top oh with her little pump shoes and her gym shorts, her aerobics. So she's barely wearing clothing she, also. Neither one of us are overly clad. It's a hundred and something degrees out there. and I've So the air conditioning isn't working because I've got the sunroof open. So wind's <sighs> blowing in our hair. Kind oh, of, yeah. So... I woke up. She was out of it. I couldn't open my door. Cars were stopping, but it's not like heavy traffic. You're out in the middle of nowhere. The so desert. car, you know, they saw and they couldn't go by. And then they started going around us. That was interesting. No one stopped. The the people who stopped were from the other direction, far, far away. They had to actually hike over, and they did. To help. To help, because they saw the whole thing. They happened to see us go into our tailspin and saw the whole thing, so they became support. Everybody else just went around us, which I found very interesting about human nature. Yeah. Yeah. You have some people that will stop and help. Then travel. Put their, and yeah. put their own life at risk yeah. to help others, and That's then right. some they will... Turn the eye. They don't even see it. It's not even, they just don't see it. Yeah. They don't see that they could help, I guess is what it is. Um, so where that went, um, we, our world changed at that moment. And so I climbed out of the window. And so you were able to physically move. I was able to physically move. But that was out still. I got out of the window um, and because I was afraid it was going to blow up. It had all the sounds blowing up. Wow. Uh, I didn't know if anything was ignited, but I knew that fluids were all over the floor of the ground. I mean, on the ground. So I went in to pull Deb out. Well, I knew I was full of blood. I could feel, but it didn't everywhere. matter at that moment. So I went in. Deb didn't have any blood on her. I pulled her up, woke her up, pulled her through the window. And sadly, I cut her leg with the little glass that was sticking up there. That's the only, that is the only cut she got out of the wreck. <laughs> so, because she ended up pinned between her seat and me. She literally ended up when I- So you took the majority of the blunt force. I, turns out, I thought I had gone into that windshield on the, the passenger side when the car flipped sideways. But Deb, the next day, went to inspect the car with the tow at the tow yard th that they had towed it to, and as he took around, went around him and say, "Well, that car, those people died, and you know those people lived, but uh, you know, those people died." And she came upon our car, didn't even recognize it, and said, "I bet those people died," and that was our car. So you guys could have died that day. We should have died that day. 
every there was no reason we should have survived that except we were in that volvo that for every action there's an opposite and equal reaction and that's cause and effect do you think about that at times the fact that just cause and effect and oh. the universe uh was we were in enough balance i think you know we were prepared enough mm -hmm. for that opportunity yeah to survive it and it's 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 interesting that happens you made it out which we can theorize about destiny and all these things but you eventually which we'll get to create this company that helps mm. millions of people well with. actually that was a confirmation to to take that thought that you have a little further um it was actually the technology that I had learned about ascorbic acid that kept my face that ended up with such lacerations. I had so much glass in my face that I was still finding it surfacing eight years later. Eight years later. Eight years later. I would think Ooh. I had like a whitehead and you feel it and you scrape it and you look and you see it shine back at you. And I learned over time how long it takes for the body to expire the depth of fragmented glass. My wow. entire face was Frankenstein. I had to have stitches. They transported me to the emergency room of a very small community. Um, in Texas. In Texas. Uh, it was Fort Stockton, Texas. Mm. And fortunately for us, that community had advertised for doctors because they're so remote. And a couple, I believe they were Vietnamese, from they had practiced in New York City. And they had had a daughter and did not want to raise their daughter in New York City. So they answered the ad. And they were in Fort Stockton, Texas. He went at my face like an expert. I was told there was another local doctor that if he had been on call, I would have had him. What odds. This guy's attitude was, man, your face is what I saw every night in New York City because bottles. And fights. Fights, glass. He had experience. He was prepared he for that moment for you. For the opportunity to really fix my face yeah. now he told me i would have to have plastic surgery wow and so, you're 26 at this point 26, 27 27 so think yeah. about that being i mean i'm 30 now at this point i'm thinking me a couple of years ago like you're like you're young you're like you have the rest of your life ahead of you yeah but you, you know what figured i'll be honest with you that never entered my mind that's good I, most of it was because i and Deb knows this, so I can say it. Uh, I was so focused on trying to keep her from feeling the guilt because I knew that was the difference in our marriage. If she became so guilty, it wasn't her fault that she had never driven uh, a cruise control situation. Right. It was just a, it was the opposite of preparedness mm -hmm. and opportunity. <laughs> Yeah. It, it was bad luck. Yeah, unluck. If the, it was unluck. Yeah, Exactly, unluck. it was wow. unluck. And so I needed to not focus on it. And when I walked into my job a week later, 
taking over that YMCA. Bandage up everywhere. I look like Frankenstein walking in the door. That's not the guy and that I thought. And you were I the thought. executive director. Exactly. So you had a team reporting to you that you had to speak to. They didn't know me. I, that they, they were assigned me. They had been there running the show, and all of a sudden they got a new man walking in the door, and he's young. With and, bandages all over his face. And what is your story? And that's how it started. Um, and that, you know, became a big part of, you mentioned the company. Yeah. It's adversity. It's figuring out, yeah. you know, what's important. And at that moment, uh, how I looked was not important. But I went to the plastic surgeon because I was told to. The plastic surgeon told me what we would need to do. And... Uh, what did they say? They say full surgery, like reconstruct everything? Yeah, he would reconstruct, but he wanted to wait to see Scarring. after everything healed what he's got to work with. Well, I immediately, immediately started on the ascorbic acid followed by vitamin E. How many times today were you doing that? Twice. Twice a day. And just attacking that area. Yeah. And the results are this. Yeah. I did not ever go back to the plastic surgeon. That, out of your whole story, this is one of the pieces of your story that really gets me a little emotional. Like, it really hits home with me because if you've listened to the first episode, I have a humongous scar in my stomach. I'm a transplant patient. I've talked about that. Right. And living with scarring, it's very hard, especially I cannot even imagine it in your face. And the fact that you had that right there, the technology of vitamin C, ascorbic acid, and then vitamin E, and you thought, let me put it in immediately, and you start seeing results. Think about the hundreds, if not millions of people that have been in similar situations. But they don't know about it. And they don't have it. And they don't know it's, about it. And it's it. right here. You know, like, we have it right here. It's available. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's, it's <laughs> But that message, as we'll get into future discussions, yeah. the number of companies that have tried to come after us, they're trying to make it easy, they're trying to make it fast, yeah. but they're not teaching the technology. Yeah. And there really is a technology to be discovered. So we'll, I look forward to sharing that. But yeah. that was my confirmation and my real experience, besides seeing it work in like putting chlorine Oof. in something and put using ascorbic acid and then it's gone and seeing all these magic shows of yeah. all of that. That's kind of secondary. It affects you, but it doesn't affect you directly. As you said, when it becomes you. Yeah. And you're right. I couldn't hide the scar. Yeah. Uh, I still have scars. They're part of me now. Oh, you can see them. They're all the way down. Uh, I, you can see them in my face. The whole jag all the way across. This was, I had a scab the size of a nickel. See all that? Where was the last piece of glass that you took? In my out? forehead. It was here. In my forehead. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's when the technology became very important. But I was on the mission of developing a community-wide wellness center for Pacific Palisades, Malibu, California. What happened was, in the years I was there, two significant things. One, it turned out that the Palisade, Pacific Palisades Residents Association had one single mission, and that was no growth. Hmm. They fought me. I didn't know that I was going to... In Bloomington, people just said we wouldn't succeed. Here Nobody like, fought us. Not We're not going to let you succeed, succeed wow. because you want to build something. My message is, but I want to build a place for your children, your family, for you to 
have a place for wellness. It's a community center. They didn't care to hear that. It was all about, no, we have a single dimension, no growth. I did, one thing I'm very proud of is in the time I was there, I was the guy that negotiated to move from a lease situation to be able to purchase land where to this day, still that YMCA can be built if that community decides to. And it's right on the corner of Sunset Boulevard and Temescal so you Canyon. Bought we bought it and it, I negotiated it and I'm very proud of that. We did pumpkin patches, still do, uh, Christmas tree lots, wow. day camps. Uh, but sadly, there's no building there. So I'm glad I didn't stick around for 34, 35 years. Right. I realized after a few years, I can't change this community. Mm. And the chemist, Dr. Rall, flew out to Malibu where we were living and offered me the opportunity and said, you're a developer. I've watched you. Yeah. If you want to start your own company, I'll give you the exclusive to the technology. To the technology. And I was just young enough and maybe stupid enough and naive enough because the year before that or around, yeah, soon that time, actually, we had our son Trevor, which was now uh, 1984. Yeah. So Trevor was born in May of 1984. And it was a year and a month later that we incorporated this company. That's, stop and think about that for a minute. Starting a brand new company with a newborn. And you and made no it. no support. We had no family. You guys were by yourselves in, all in by California. Uh, one thing that keeps coming to my mind in one of our first conversations, you said that you considered yourself not foolish, but try to remember the word that you used to describe yourself. And, and, in all your ventures, and it's, I can't remember right well, now. Well, it was at least naive. I could maybe it was naive, and, yeah, and you I said promise that, you that you need some of that to have a little bit of the spirit of adventure to take risks. That's right. And, I believe that. And kind of just go with it and figure it out as you go. And that's I right. think that's a trait that, along with being a builder, that I have found in most entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, you mm-hmm. love to build, and you have that spirit of it'll kind of all work out. Interesting. And, and I'll go it's in that direction. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. You use the word entrepreneur. I've never uh, I've never loved the word entrepreneur. Right. I never associated myself as an entrepreneur. I think it's because I heard about entrepreneurial classes and entrepreneurial mm-hmm. like I would get invited to entrepreneurial groups. Events and stuff like My that. My attitude is, is if you saw yourself as, a, or if you went to a group like that. And you're calling yourself an entrepreneur. Then you're, you're probably not. not. Yeah. And that's not even close to who I am. Yeah. So I don't relate. I think now I understand better what entrepreneur is and what it's referring to. And so, yeah, I think I probably do fit. Yeah. The you're hundred percent an entrepreneur. Okay. I, I, I think if you're a true entrepreneur, you're not talking about it. You're working on your vision, on your dreams, on the things that you're wanting to build. That's exactly what you've done. You and if you're mean? doing it just because you want to build something, yeah. you probably won't succeed. It's got to be passionate about what you want to build, exactly. not the fact that you just want to build. Exactly. You have to do it with love, with care from the beginning, too. Obviously, yeah. right. and, and not really expecting 
an enormous result. Because that's one thing I no, ask you. No, you've got to expect an enormous you so? result on you, well, you. If you don't expect the significant result, you may quit along the way. So let me let me rephrase that. Then okay. maybe it, maybe I don't mean not expecting a result. Not expecting result too quickly. Patience, I guess, because oh. it took you. Oh, that is a long that's time. That's an understatement. You that's are what so I, right. So that's what I was referring it, to. Those rewards come few and far between, mm. and and you have to acknowledge them yourself because no one else is on going now. to acknowledge it for you. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons we have been so successful is because uh, Deb has never questioned the decisions that I've made, she has never early on said, maybe we should stop. Maybe this is too tough. Uh, this is too much. She never, ever expressed it. Deb has always been in there. Let's do it. Let's keep going. She's been has in she the been game. Has she been a cheerleader? Has she pushed you constantly? Like, have you ever- She's not pushed me and she doesn't push. She supports. She's she's not somebody that's pushing me to go. She doesn't need to. Because you're constantly go, go, I, I go. I sort of do that on my own. Yeah. I, I think it's more about um, the compatibility, the support, the sharing. She's She's the person that she gives me ideas. Mm. You know, the, the conversations, she's very bright. She, you know, so you guys so just feed each other constantly. We feed each other constantly. That's right. Oh, constantly. We're makes talking. Sense. That makes sense. I don't right. know how intellectual it is, but we're constantly sharing. Yeah, so regardless. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, when you're in tune with your partner, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, so I want to go back to, I want to go back to this really quickly. And then I want to go back to Trevor and, and him and you guys starting out with, the serum and the vitamin E, you rec you do it twice a day. Right. For how long? The rest of my life. How long until you saw results? Depends on saw. what you're trying to solve. Oh my gosh, you can solve things that go away in 24 hours. Uh, um, keep in mind, I'm I'm not talking about product here. I'm talking about the correct ratio of ascorbic acid, the right form of ascorbic acid okay. in the correct carrier. So there's a, this isn't a single dimension thing. Right. What I can tell you is that combination of yeah. the variables I just shared with you, I have observed from fever blisters. If you, if you are prone to any kind of mouth sore, fever blister, something must be that it donates an electron to normalize what's happening, but you can cycle that out in 24 hours. If you take the serum or vitamin C serum, that is the ascorbic acid. You see, I did not know that, but I can, the reason I'm asking you is because when I started taking it and remember I Internally talked Internally or, well, you mean using it. Yeah, yeah I, remember using I, it. I told you my skin was so sensitive that I right. could not even be because of the medication I take and just being a transplant patient, like the sun, really bothers me. See, that's me. immediate. Yeah. That's one of those things when you say that. It was like I started that, taking it. I was like, it's immediate. Oh my God, I can be that's in That's immediate. Sun. Exactly. So that did that for me and it changed my life. How long do you think it took you to start seeing results in the scarring? Do you think it was, you typically speak but of 28 realize, days. But realize I didn't have a before and after. Mm. So it's not like can't really see. what I've learned about what I, I was using it because of the faith I had in it what I learned about it, what I knew about it. I was using it, but not as a, you know, I was using technology, but I wasn't using it to solve something. Right. 
Heck, I was 20-something years old. Yeah. I didn't need to solve much. You're like, I just want to get I'm this I'm just using it yeah. to prevent. So, But I attacked my face that way, and it's more about, as I said, the results. It it What I know about ascorbic acid, and the clinicals are really clear, it will speed up collagen synthesis. That's number one. And your vitamin E is helpful with suppression of scar tissue. That's well documented in clinical studies with the proper ratio. So that's what I fundamentally knew, and that's what I had you the faith in. Because Dr. Keith, that's what I learned. Okay. I had already known that. That's what we were investing in. That's what we believed in. And what we've discovered is that it's so much more than than the single dimensions we knew back in those early days. Right. So much more. Yeah. So when you ask how long does it take, there's so many different remedies that ascorbic acid can provide um, that it's more about what my message would be, try it on everything because it cannot hurt you. So we're right in tune with that. I did, you guys hopefully have seen this video already. By the time this is released, it'll be right along with that. I did officially my first show with Malibu C at, ironically, Texas, the Texas oh, yeah. show. Yeah, San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. And a lot of the people, I like, I knew Malibu C's global. I knew how huge it is. I knew, like, the importance of everything. Yeah. But being in a place where there's a line of people, where people are coming in and, and literally clearing product out and <laughs> taking everything and upset because we don't have enough product for them oh my and goodness. they're asking all these questions and you're like in the middle like whoa i'm in the middle of something enormous that's been around for 34 years and it's only going to get bigger the more that people realize what it can do and a lot of people ask me that they said how long this because the skincare it's only carried through through us through they can only buy, buy through malibu c and but we had a lot of through people salons say, and through salons, through salons yeah. and spas yeah. is where you get it. So they were like, we hear so many things about it. What, what does it do? How long does it take? What are the best? So I did very similar spiel than what you did. And they were like, on everything. I'm like, yeah, it'll blow you away. Wait, like, and I give my story of my skin being sensitive. I'm like, it is my, I have never had anything that I put on my skin. And we base everything on science. Yeah. It's not marketing BS. It's science, like it works. Go outside, put it on, you're gonna feel a difference immediately. But that's why I was asking, because for something like scarring, especially a lot of people came that had um, cystic acne. Huh? A lot, and that creates scarring itself. You Absolutely. know, maybe not like as, as deep as you would in a car accident, but imagine being a teenager with that. And we had a lot of people that came through asking about that. They're like, what is the time frame? They, we've tried everything and nothing works. I'm like, well, try this. So, you know, where I first saw that was on Trevor. When Trevor was going through his period. development years yeah. and acne prone, there were so many days when he would, I remember him coming down the steps and saying something about his acne. And the answer was, are you in the mode? And he'd be like, oh, no. And he'd run back up. <laughs> and that's how he made it through his his youth, teenage years, yeah. Is with the C serum yeah. because he attacked it. Yeah. You don't want the vitamin E for that. Yeah. And that's the reason you would, you know, it's understanding the condition. But even if you don't understand the condition, my attitude is just use it. It can't yeah. hurt you. 
And also, if you're going to use it, don't compare it to any other brand. If you're looking to just, it's sort of like with hair. Yeah. Companies can easily provide an ingredient that, that coats the hair right. and makes the hair feel incredible. Right. But the truth is it wasn't necessarily that good for the hair, and it just is camouflaging and covering up what the real problem is. Which is deep in there. Which is deeper so in there. Once you take out. Once you take that out, mm-hmm. you don't need to coat it that way because your hair really feels more like your normal hair, what you thought your hair felt like. Right. Same with skin. Um, if you're trying to solve a problem or prevent something from happening, yeah, that's where ascorbic acid and our technology can change your life. Yeah, and that that a lot of people were asking because me being a barber stylist, you're like, how do you play a role with all that? It's like I love all the products, but one thing that I will be doing that's totally different is the straight razor shaves with this technology mm-hmm. and not putting things on the face that are going to clog it up. It's basically having a beautiful vitamin C basically mask, mask and facial like mask, yeah. after shaving. I said the results eventually will come. And that I think it's going to be a great way for men to find out what they can do really with their face with our well, vitamin C serum. Let me share with you what's going to happen is every single client is going to tingle. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest number one question that we receive is, oh my gosh, it's burning. my skin. T-. Yeah. Some say it's burning. And yeah. It's like, it's, it's tingling. Not burning. It's, it's not, not burning. burning. I, I think it feels good, actually. Well, and it's the real stuff. Yeah. To get the scalp to tingle, most time products use menthol. Yeah. It's not really doing anything but putting menthol. You don't use it. Oh, I feel it working. Tea tree is what I found in some of them, which and, is dehydrating. And I won't go there because I agree with you completely. Yeah. And we would not use that in our products. Right. That to us is not the approach to solve the problem. Right. So, you know, that's where ascorbic acid will tingle. I tingle almost every morning, especially when I travel, because if the chlorine is very high mm-hmm. in the shower system, then it's going to even exfoliate that first layer a little bit because it oxidizes. Right. So when you put your uh, serum on, you actually tingle a little bit. But I'm with you. Yeah. It tingles good. And you can actually tell the difference. What I notice is the tingle's different here. Mm-hmm. than it is in Texas. That would be. So you very well could be. There could be the water difference. There's all kinds of yeah. different variables. But from one town to the next, you yes, you could have more humidity there, a different humidity. But primarily it's the water yeah. because that's what we're most exposed to every time. And it's always unique, not just in town to town, but within its community from one street to another. You can have a different water system across the street from the people that are in your neighborhood. It's, yeah. you know, if you're on wells, if you, there's, we should all know and understand not only the water that we drink, which is a whole discussion I'd like to have because yeah. I'm very concerned that people are drinking water and they don't even know what they're drinking. Oh, I started actually putting the inside out yeah, into, into, your water. into water and mm. I can actually, the water tastes better yeah. with it. it you can well, actually, you could start you drinking tap water if you do that yeah. because it's helping purify the water. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I, that's why this is so important for us to get on video. That's why I was so adamant that we, <laughs> that both of us, that we would do this podcast because another thing from that I learned that I've heard already before, but I learned it and just confirmed it this weekend oh. at the show. We had a lot of students come in yeah. and ask questions. And their thought was, why aren't we getting taught this in school? Why aren't we getting taught about oxidation? Beauty school students, uh, students that are going through 
school to be estheticians. Like, why aren't we getting taught about uh, these products and minerals and all the things that this is combating against? I said, I think hopefully, I, I literally got it on camera. I said, I think hopefully at some point we will. You know, that's why this is I think a you're playing a role in that. Yeah. Here's what will probably happen is in 10 years, this will be part of all curriculums and no one will even associate us yeah. with it. That it's, I hope total oxidation management, if people say to me, but what if people copy you? My response to that is- We want them to, Please. This should be a lifestyle. Yeah. Everyone should be following this model. To my, that's my, that sounds yeah. arrogant. I'm not saying it arrogant. I don't mean it arrogant. It's just, this is to me, truth. Yeah. It's truth that we, that we know I discovered it. Yeah. I want to share it with everyone so they discover it and put it into their own lifestyle Absolutely. and figure out how it applies. Another thing with that was you made a comment to me in one of our in one of our prior conversations. You said eventually in every table there's <laughs> going to be salt, pepper, and sea. And for the first time this weekend, I literally I was having dinner with the team, and somebody put a bottle of Inside Out right next to the salt and pepper, and I was like, No way! I was like. Oh Freaky. my God, there's salt, Tom, pepper, it's happening. and sea. I'm it's like, happening. oh my God. Wow. Yeah. So and I really think that, especially with us getting like this knowledge and this information out to people that they're going to see the value in this. Uh, I can't wait to see it just in tables and maybe able to be a part of that messenger. You know, it's so well, thank exciting you, for thank me. Thank you for being part I, of the messenger. I love it. So, and, and I literally, I was like, I'll be the first one to grab that salt, pepper, and sea and put it in my water. And I that's what it. I had it. Good for you. So I hope you didn't put the salt and the pepper in. No, definitely okay. not. That would be gross. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back to, let's go back to the starting point. Uh, let's, or not the starting point. Let's go back to, you have Trevor and the company starts. So you decided to start the company. Yes. And Deb at this point. Deb went out and started working. Okay. She became actually a recruiter for a headhunter. Okay. For jobs. She in the uh, computer industry early, early in the game. And she would be calling people that are working for companies, trying to steal them for other companies. Mm -hmm. She was being a personnel admin, having been the assistant director of the career center. She understood how to talk career. Okay. And she used that. She actually created her own company also called Careers to Fit because she was teaching aerobics. She was teaching water aerobics. So she had her own little company on the side that she did resumes and consulting on fitness. So careers to fit oh. encompassed both aspects of yeah. what she was about, but she was also a recruiter. So she was bringing in some revenue. Okay. When we started the company, we started it um, in July of 1985. And I remember we had the products made, uh, had some products to go sell. And I remember the first day out, we were actually sitting in the backyard. It was a Saturday. And I just up and decided this is going to be my first day to go out and sell the products. And I remember the exact people who bought it. And what's interesting is Trevor and his family were just in town. I just showed them those locations this past weekend. Your son and his family was just in town. You took them there. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so just to relate that to that story, I showed them the first businesses that bought the products. 
And it was you. You went there physically and oh, yeah. you were like... Oh, there was no one else. <laughs> there wasn't anyone else for many years. When you're talking about the trade show that yeah. you just participated in, okay. I, I wish that my audio in my brain was sounding at the moment because I was sitting here freaking, thinking about I was there all by myself for so long and for you to say that that happened and what you told me is going on out there yeah. because my memory of shows is it's just you is just me or just deb and me and just deb me and another employee and a part-time employee who's learning a little bit about it and we've been through so many levels it's the old uh overnight what 34 year old overnight success yeah for you to say that people yeah. need our products and recognize the need for the product and that it's solving problems yeah. for them professionally is the most confirming thing that i could hear yeah and i celebrate that and thank you for sharing it because you've you've filled me by saying that no it, it literally was a confirmation for me also i know we're doing the right thing but seeing it in Texas. I mean, yeah. we're here in Indianapolis right now where the headquarters of Malibu see us, seeing it so far away from here and how people went nuts. And the following too, on top of that, there was people that came to the booth saying, I've been using this since it was Malibu 2000. Ah. And asking and asking about Missy and asking about you. I mean, it was so surreal seeing that. I was like- Well, that would be a fun discussion that yeah. we can go into yeah. the different names yeah. that we've been through through the company. And I have some other pictures for that. So I think um, I think we're at a good stopping point right Great. now. Uh, cliffhanger, obviously the next episode, we're gonna talk about when the company actually starts getting more structured, growing, so make sure you're in tune from that. And where does Tom go and Deb? And Trevor, it's, it became a little, basically troop. a little trio, troop, troop. Little troop together running the company and where the direction went from there. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Thank you for watching. Tom, thank you so much for thank this you, amazing episode. Always a pleasure. The next one. And that's a wrap. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys.